And aren't we thankful for Miss Chris and the love that she's shown to our children for so many years. And with her, don't we all agree that we hope that our kids remember that and continue to show that love with people throughout their lives. And she's right. The scripture reading for this morning is all about love, God's love. And in preparation for the message this morning, I couldn't help but think of a song Um, It predates me, and if you noticed on the front of your bulletin, maybe you got a clue already. What the world needs now is love. There it is. Yeah, this just turned into karaoke night (laughs) at Shambly Methodist. Do you remember that song? It was originally recorded and made famous by Jackie DeShannon in 1965. And and has since then, what's that? Doesn't predate you. Okay. Since then, it's been recorded over a hundred times by other artists. Uh, I first heard that song in the movie Forrest Gump. <laughs> and I, I guess hearing the song, watching the movie, I mean, it just sort of brought to mind this idealistic, hippie, kind of change the world, love and peace, pie in the sky, wishful thinking that inevitably runs headlong into the wall of reality. And actually, more recently, the song was re-recorded in 2016 by a group of about 60 of the biggest names on Broadway. And um, they recorded it in response to the mass shooting that had taken place at the nightclub in Orlando. And they were looking for a way to use what they had to give Uh, their talents, their voices to show love and and support for the folks who were affected by that. And so they recorded this song and made it available for purchase online and all the proceeds went to an organization there in Orlando called The Center that provides programs and services, support, and safe space for LGBTQ persons. And those, those artists just wanted to give back of what they could. And when they decided to do that by recording a song, the song that they chose to record that they felt best expressed what they were feeling in that moment was what the world needs now is love. The words to that song were written by a man named Hal David. You might not know that, but you might also not know that he he wrote the words to Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. Yeah? And there's always something there to remind me. Same author. And the interview I read about the song, What the World Needs Now, with Hal David, uh, he was talking about the process of coming up with the words, and he said the um, chorus came to him like that. He had it, and it's the part that we're all familiar with. Uh, But the lyrics gave him a fit, and he said it took him what felt like forever, to come up with the right lyrics to the song and his first pass at the lyrics to talk about other things that we have in the world and how that's not sufficient and we don't need more of those things, we need more of love. He, he had ideas like, we don't need a jet that can go faster. We don't need a submarine that can go deeper. Those were some of his first passes at the lyrics. And he said, but that didn't do it. That wasn't sufficient. And the reason was because he said those things, jets, submarines, are man-made things. And really what he was feeling in writing the lyrics and the words to this song 
was that what we need from God is more love. And so he thought of other things that are gifts from God, things in nature. And that's where the lyrics came from about the mountains. We don't need another mountain to climb. You know, we don't need another ocean. We've got plenty of that. But the gifts from God that we need now more than anything else is love. Of course, the song, like I said, was written in 1965, and yes, that predates me, not all of us, but from what I've heard, sort of a contentious time in our country. Um, Fear, anxiety, anger were elevated. Some significant differences among us were coming out into the surface around war and civil rights. And it was in a moment like that that he was inspired to write this song that said, the gift that we need more of now than anything else is love. And how true it is that love is a gift. It's a gift from God that we receive. And our scripture for this morning points us directly to that gift, the gift of love. And I'm going to read from... 1 John chapter 4, it's a letter in the second half of the New Testament. And really, if there's a theme that carries this book or this letter of 1 John, it is that of love. And so I'm going to read from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. We're going to put it up on the screen so you can follow along as I read aloud. And this is what it says. Dear friends, let's love each other because love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The person who doesn't love doesn't know God. Because God is love. This is how the love of God is revealed to us. God has sent his only son into the world so that we can live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the sacrifice that deals with our sins. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, I read somebody say that when the Bible was written and back in that time, They didn't have things like bold or italicize or underline. You know, all the ways that we emphasize things when we write them today. There was no all caps. And so the way that the writers of the scriptures got their point across or emphasized something was through repetition. It was to repeat a word or a phrase over and over again. And I don't know if you noticed that being utilized in the scripture that we just read, but there are a couple of words that were repeated over and over and over again in just those few short verses. And in fact, if you look across the whole of scripture, you see it too. And those two words were God and love. You knew that. Wonderful. Amen. And in fact, in one of those verses, there's contained there three words together, three short little words. 
that, to me, revolutionize life and faith. And it's the phrase, God is love. That phrase has done more to shape and affect my faith than anything else that I've read. To consider, reflect on, receive the truth that God is love. And I don't know if that tells me more about God or if it tells me more about love. (laughs) But I've yet to exhaust the ways in which to ponder that and absorb that, that God is love. And we need to know love more now, and we need to know God more now. My apologies to Hal, but we may need to know that now more than ever. We need to know the love of God more now. And I mean right now, like today. Think about it. We're now celebrating the 100th anniversary of the end of World War I. It's also Veterans Day, where we honor and appreciate the sacrifice of years of life, of service by so many among us in conflict and in war. We're here again on the wake of another mass shooting that has taken numbers of lives. Which now seems like a part of our life. And we're in the wake of a midterm election. At a time when partisanship just seems to keep coming up with new and creative ways. To aggravate us and divide us. To vilify somebody. Last weekend, I was in Sparta, North Carolina, coaching a pastor in a church up there as they're trying to do some new things. And I was meeting with the pastor and his leadership team. And one of the young men on his leadership team and I were having a conversation about this kind of topic, particularly the, the partisanship that divides us in our culture. And, um, and he brought up an interesting point. He said, I feel like we've found a way to politicize everything. Every single thing in life we've made political. And then we turn around and say, now we shouldn't get political. And so in essence, what we've done is we've taken anything of meaning, value, morality, ethics, even somehow love and loving your neighbor and made them into topics that we can't talk about. And his point was, his question was, how do we be the church in Sparta, North Carolina, Shambly, in the world if we can't speak to and act on the things that matter most? Among us. What the world needs now is love. 
What the world needs now is some people who will choose relationship over being right. And really, that's the subversive nature of the gospel. That's the countercultural way of Jesus that chooses love above all else, above anything that could divide or separate us or pit us against one another, to choose love. And I mean, Jesus said that we should even love our enemies. Now, what he also said is, love your enemies, bless those who persecute you. So there was a sense in which your enemies were the people who persecuted you. Today, our enemies are anybody that disagrees with us. Which I think is unfortunate. And definitely not in keeping with probably what he had in mind and what people were experiencing. But nonetheless, if that's how we're going to function, just because you disagree with me, you're my enemy. Still, Jesus says, love your enemies. Bless those who persecute you. That has the potential to change how nations and religions deal with each other and talk to one another to choose love above all else. That has the potential to change how people within a nation or within a religion or within a denomination deal with each other and talk to one another. If we choose love above all else, that has the potential to change how people within a home or within a church deal with each other and talk to one another. Can I get an amen? If we're going to choose love above all else. That's what our world needs now is love. God bless our bishop, Sue Halpert Johnson. I heard her say recently, if she could go back to school and do her doctoral studies again, she would choose as a topic how hard it is to organize people around love. Because that doesn't come naturally to us. We much more naturally, much more easily, and sometimes much more preferably organize around the things that divide us. We pick sides. There's me and the people that I like and that agree with me and see things the same way I do. And then there's y'all. There's them. There's something about human nature, sadly enough, that we seem to prefer division and conflict. We seem to prefer the labels, the categories, taking sides, choosing teams. And the fact is, that's all just one big distraction from the enemy. And that's just, I'll stand here as the chief among us and confess. I mean, I'm I'm all about that choosing sides and picking teams, right? Like, especially during college football season. Um, that's when the worst of it comes out in me. I, I, and I'm honest about it. You know, I've, my two favorite teams, I'm that, I'm that guy. My two favorite teams are Georgia and whoever's playing Georgia Tech. 
That's, and, and I'm sorry, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not the best thing, but I don't know. You know, it, it just feels right, doesn't it? And I mean, maybe it's one thing to do that with sports, with your college. Oh, how we do that. In some way, shape, or form, too often with every part of our lives. But we can do better. (laughs) And that's what John is telling us. That we can do better, and the better is the love of God, the way of God that is love. And it starts, according to John, with us receiving the love of God for ourselves. Do you remember what he said? This is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and gave his son as a sacrifice, so that we might live. Love starts with receiving God's love for ourselves. Just like Miss Chris told our children, I hope you hear today for you. God loves you. And there's nothing you can do to earn that or deserve that or be undeserving of that. God loves you. So much so that God would give his only son who would give his life so that we could live. The verses that we read just now started with the phrase, dear friends. And John uses that a couple of times. Some translations have that as beloved. I think it's a cool word and we don't use it very much. But one of the reasons I think that's a cool word is because there's another way to read that and think about that. Beloved. You could also say it, be loved. Brothers and sisters, dear friends. Be loved. God loves you. Right where you are, right now, unconditionally. And that's offered to us as a gift without price to us. The love of God for you. And you know what? That can be hard to accept sometimes. Particularly if you've been through some stuff. But again, that's the beauty and the subversive nature of the gospel. That there are no conditions to this. You are loved. And this is the way, this love of God that is sacrificial, that is without price. This is the way that God relates to us. Look at Jesus in the upper room the night of the Last Supper. He demonstrates love to the disciples by getting a towel and a basin of water and getting down on his knees and washing their feet. Their dirty, nasty feet. 
as a way to demonstrate to them the depth, the power of God's sacrificial love. That God would kneel right down in here with you and me and wash us clean. Wash us clean of our bitterness, our anger, our meanness, our need to be right. Wash us clean of our unworthiness, our feelings of shame or guilt. And to make us new. To make us clean and holy before God and each other. John says, this is how God chose to deal with sin. There is sin in our world. There is brokenness in our world. The way that God chooses to deal with sin is self-sacrificial love. For you, for me, and for everybody. All over the world and down through history. And as we come to receive that for ourselves, then we can do what Jesus called his disciples to do. Love each other this way. That's what John said. Dear friends, beloved, love each other. And he wasn't just talking about the people in the room. Y'all just love each other. This was for everybody everywhere. For those of us who would claim the name of Jesus, receive God's love for ourselves in him, that we would go and love the world and love each other the way that God has loved us. So that God's love would fill us up to overflowing into the lives of the people around us. Jesus said, this is how they'll know that you're following me. This is how they will know that you are a Christian. This is how they will know that you are a community of people who claim the name of Christ is by the way that you love each other. Not by the way you dominate the public discourse. Or by the way you can sway or influence an election. Or by the way that you can be the morality police. Jesus said the way they'll know that you're mine is by the way that you love. I read a book not too long ago called Next Christians. Written by Gabe Lyons and David Kinneman. They'd done research with the Barna Group about the next generation of Christians coming up in the world, and particularly what it is that motivates them, how they understand their faith, and how they want to see their faith lived out in the world. And they gave some of the results, like the things that came up most frequently among this group of folks who were surveyed, this next generation of Christians. And one of the things that came up often among them was that they felt provoked. Not provoked to anger, but provoked to love. The language they use in the book is provoked to engage in their world for the sake of the people around them. That they want to have meaning. They want their life to have meaning beyond making a bunch of money and being able to retire comfortably. That they want to sacrifice and serve And lay down their lives for the benefit of somebody else's life. To raise the level for everybody. That they want to be a part of healing what is broken in our world. 
It's like they know. See and feel what John was writing about, what Jesus was talking about, what Jackie DeShannon was singing about, what the world needs now is love. What the world needs now is God's love. Your love. What the world needs is your love. What your world needs is love. What your corner of the world needs now is love. Because it's the only thing that there's just too little of. And God has given us the blessing to receive and experience that love and to share it with each other in our corner of the world, in our lives, in our homes, in our church, in our community. And there's as many ways to express that as there are people in this room and opportunities to dream and imagine. So in just a minute, I'm going to invite you to stand as we sing our last hymn. And as you do that, as you sing... Would you just give some space there for God, for God's Spirit to take up the topic with you about what it means to love and the serving, self-sacrificial way of Jesus in your world today. This altar rail is available to you. If you want to come up here and kneel and pray as a part of that, you're welcome to do it. However you want to make space for God to speak for you today. Would you do it now as we stand and sing hymn number 384, Love Divine, All Love's Excelling.